question from the chat box. <clears throat> okay, so um, my, my name is Wade. First, first off, I'm recording this um, possibly for my my podcast, but also for uh, uh, Vents Magazine online. So it's like a two two prong thing. Double dip. And, uh, Do it. All right. So my first question is: What inspired you to create Shot in the Arm? And what was it like to have your focus shifted from the measles epidemic to the COVID-19 pandemic? Excellent. So uh, yeah, what inspired me was a question of if measles was almost declared eliminated in 2000, why were we seeing record-breaking measles outbreaks in 2019? State of emergency in New York City, state of emergency in Washington State, measles outbreaks all across uh, Europe. And the question was answered when I contacted Dr. Paul Offit and he said, well, it's quite simple and heartbreaking that there are people out there spreading misinformation and disinformation, excuse me, about vaccines, specifically the MMR vaccine that caused these outbreaks. It's, it's convinced parents to be scared and stop vaccinating their children. And I thought, well, that's a heartbreaking and uh, terrifying story. Let's uh, dig in on this and, and see where it, see where it goes. So I, he introduced me to Dr. Fauci, and he introduced me to Dr. Peter Hotez, and so I was following the public health line of it, and nurse, wonderful nurses like Lina Marcus in the Orthodox Jewish community, but I also wanted to tell nurses the in the trenches of in, all health crises. That's right, the people, right. the nurses in the trenches, and but we wouldn't have a story if we didn't tell the other side of it, not other side of it in any false equivalency way, the other side of it, the people who are fomenting this fear and disinformation. And if for our film, that was some of the icons in the anti-vax movement, Andrew Wakefield, uh, Del Bigtree, and now Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, so we thought we had a pretty interesting film, fascinating film, heartbreaking film, yeah. uh, 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 tragic film in, in 2019. And then COVID happened and it just got more interesting and more fascinating. And we were fo forced to play the card of what do we do from lockdown? And we tried to turn that into to lemonade and wanted to include my family just a little bit as a little bit of the like all of us that are in this and the other people I was interviewing remotely getting snippets of their family when Blima was sick and her kids toys are strewn all over the place and her being humble enough to share that or Karen Ernst trying to do a zoom for her podcast and her internet's breaking down because her son's playing video games at the same time and her yelling at him and saying put your pants on just like these moments of what we all live through, my daughter hitting, you know, whipped cream directly into her mouth. Um, so that was that was part of the pivot, but it was still the same story. I want to do that. Actually, whipped cream. Oh yeah, whipped cream directly in the mouth. <laughs> Only like an eleven-year-old knows. You didn't hesitate. Um, but the so, pivot um, that was part of the pivot to this larger story that became a really a a personal story. So uh, the film explores vaccine hesitancy. Could you share your thoughts on how this hesitancy has evolved over time and what factors contribute or contribute to it in today's society? Oh, solid question. Um, I'm going to do uh, the difference between skeptical and cynical. So the beginning of the, well, we can, we can go way, way back in terms of uh, uh, vaccine hesitancy and distrust in science, but let's start just with Andrew Wakefield's fraudulent study in 1998 that he tried to make a connection between the MMR vaccine. So he successfully scared people, but there wasn't a scientifically valid 
reason to point between the MMR vaccine and autism. <clears throat> but it took nine years for the study to be retracted and really see what a fraud he was being hired by a law firm to use this evidence to then have the lawyers win lawsuits against vaccine makers. But in that time, the study traveled the world. His fraudulent study traveled the world and it scared lots and lots of, of families. So a skeptical um, family that worried that, uh, why is my child autistic? I have a nephew who's autistic and thankfully my big sister never took any of the bait of disinformation around this. I think she would actually cause Jenny McCarthy uh, harm because of the amount of disinformation and and not and 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 the actual pain she's caused the autistic community because she stopped it from looking at it these situations in a healthy way that <clears throat> excuse me that that parent went from being skeptical and saying oh could this have caused harm to my child to becoming more cynical when they're presented with the fact that it didn't cause that harm and you, you, but you continue to believe in it, that's a much more cynical place. And now to jump all the way to where we are with disinformation and two sides of this in 2020, 20, let's call it 2022, 2023, 20, going into 2024, that yeah. it's, it's become a poison of, um, don't tell me what I want to believe is true. Well, it's, it's almost more of a political movement than it was in the past. It is, it is, it is, it is political. And it's also, per, it's personal that it, it, your tribe is political or your, your tribe is th this political or your tribe is, I believe vaccines caused uh, uh, my child to become autistic. It's also a personal decision that you're saying, I don't want to listen to the overwhelming evidence. I want to make a decision. I want to make my own decisions as the sign in the back of yeah. the car that we see in the film, your health is not as important as my freedom. And which is just an awful way of looking at this situation. Freedom is important and public health is important. Why can't we have a more respectful, nuanced, and verifiable truth-based conversation around that? Sure. In a way, there's an interesting evolution of this where the anti-vaccine movement started in liberal centers. Um, if you looked at the measles map where the outbreaks were, they were in bastions of liberal thinking where there was a distrust in medicines in uh, more broadly in big pharma and the anti-vaccine movement coming through covid morphed into a, a variety or should i say it um how they say it with with covid it um a new variant there's <laughs> a new variant yeah. of anti-vaccine thinking that manifested in the conservative community where people are saying you can't to, to scott's point with that bumper sticker or the the scrawl on the window you it it's, it's america and i'm free and you can't make me take a vaccine that's a different anti-vax argument from i'm worried this vaccine is going to make me sick or and so you had conservative right and liberal left people meeting on the same side of the fence yeah where previously they would they they would have otherwise had nothing in common. And I'm still waiting to get my magnetic powers. Oh, yeah. That, I, that so many people were talking about. After the vaccine, yes, yeah. yes. I could thwart the X-Men then. <laughs> Magneto. So um, can you discuss the role of uh, misinformation in driving vaccine hesitancy a, a little bit more? Sure. Or um, disinformation, I guess the two are separate things. 
Yeah, no, thank you for distinguishing because it is important. So misinformation is someone spreading information that is false, but they might not be doing it on purpose. Disinformation is when somebody is spreading false information and they're doing it with intent. And sadly, this film is probably more about disinformation than it is about misinformation. People that are spreading misinformation to cause harm and to benefit themselves and things like that. So um, it's had- a way, I, dis I disagree with Scott on that. Uh, I, I, I we can believe- cut this, We can cut this out, wait. No. <laughs> Now this is a little joke. It's a joke, everybody. Stay uh, no, I, I believe <laughs> that the anti-vax leaders are so embedded that psychologically they completely believe what they're saying. And maybe I'm only saying that because I don't want to believe the alternative. Because the alternative is they don't believe what they're saying, but that would make them just abject models of evil mm. and i don't really want to think that about them oh there's nuance well, you know, there too they're evil or selfish self-serving right so. one of the weird things i noticed in the movie is rfk jr often kind of walking back you know the the idea that he's anti-vax even though he spends so much time giving anti-vax talking points what are your thoughts on that well i've got it if you ever get to interview him wade he loves to say I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. If they're saying that they want to corner me or make me look crazy, um, I'm just for for safe vaccines. So the follow-up question to that way, and I ask in the, in the film, but is okay if you're not anti-vax, tell us the vaccines you believe in. Yeah. And he goes like this. So you're anti-vax. So it's uh, he he. But I can't believe how many how few journalists have kind of tried to get him to really answer that question because he's an extremely, obviously extremely skilled and manipulative communicator. Yeah. So what are some of the most common misconceptions you've encountered during your research for the documentary? Just around vaccines? Yeah. Or yeah. I suppose anything that uh, really seems relevant. Um, great. So well, as we said, we've talked about already, obviously there's the misconception uh, by some that that the MMR vaccine can, could cause um, your child to become autistic. And there's absolutely no evidence of that. There's been hundreds of studies to show that it isn't true. Um, but I would say uh, that the, the more shocking things that, that have surprised me is how easy it is to get caught up in our own biases tribally and, and onward and, and how hard it is to check ourselves sometimes. And I say us, right? all of us have to think about that, the, the need to check ourselves. So I think that's been one of the most shocking and sad, but also necessary parts of this story. Yep. Uh, the, the film, it has both uh, public officials, health officials being interviewed and anti-vax activists. What were some of the most surprising or enlightening perspectives you encountered during those interviews? Hmm. I'd like to slip in there that um, I was impressed. J just like I said, I I'm was script consultant here. So my role was not to offer medical advice, but to offer uh, advice on how to communicate the science methods and tools and principles to the audience folded into these story arcs that Scott put in. Um, 
uh, I, I would say that the, um, wait, so, wait, so the, the crux of that question was what again? You, the surprise, oh, uh, surprise, surprise yes. So what I don't say I was surprised, I was delighted by the level of accessibility and compassion expressed by the medical professionals that Scott obtained for this film. Um, it would have been easy to have gotten doctors say, oh, people are just idiots. They, 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 you could have gotten doctors like that. Yeah. But this, this collection of doctors and especially the nurses had such compassion for those who were duped mm. that, uh, uh, should I say that surprised me? I guess it did. It surprised me how consistent that posture was. Good word. Moving back and forth and among the doctors and nurses. It's easier. It's easier to be uh, consistent when you're telling the truth. That's what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what we see in Robert Kennedy Jr. You Good see answer. him. You see him saying, oh, my God, I keep telling myself that I didn't lie in that situation around Samoa. But you can see him just like suffering from how hard it is to, you know, what's it? What's the term? What a, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we're. <laughs> When we attempt to deceive, I got it slightly wrong. You probably have it right. You'll hit me. Oh, what a tangled web we weave if our intent is to deceive. Anyway, um, so sorry, Wade, we got sidetracked. Oh, that, that's all right. <clears throat> that's all right. So uh, as we still grapple with the COVID-19 pandemic, how has the cultural zeitgeist around vaccines shifted? And what lessons can we learn from previous epidemics and vaccine campaigns? Ooh, big questions. Yeah, that's a yeah. big question, man. I would say I'm going to go to the zeitgeist of it. Um, we have been very honored to see the film be seen as a zeitgeist film. There's some people that want to say, oh, it's a COVID movie on its surface. They see the trailer and they're like, well, it's going to be a COVID movie. Um, they, they, they read a little bit about it's going to be a COVID movie. And then it's bigger than a than a COVID movie. That This is what people have been telling us by their response to it, that it's a movie, it is a movie about our zeitgeist. It's a movie about the dangers of disinformation, <clears throat> selfishness, tribalism to the foundations of our, our country and even our planet that destroy democracy, can destroy our social contract and decency. And, and I, I've come to use the term, not just corrupt, but corrosive. It can be a corrosive quality. But now let's flip that and go to the upside of that that there are more people that do trust in science, that have the humility of the nurses that Neil is referencing, that can check themselves and be humble enough to say, I'm not a perfect nurse, I'm doing the best that I can. And there's, I hope we're living through a bump in our um, trust and respect for verifiable truth, the social contract and decency. And we're a bump in the road. A bump in the road. Yeah, that we're going to come to the other side of this, and um, that's what I—that's—that's that's what I, I hope. And my hope is based on that there are more people that are decent than there are that are awful. Sure. Well, uh, has it been seventeen minutes already, or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That time flew by pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you did, you did yeah. Good, good questions. So, do you do you have? Well, I'll throw a curveball your way. Once it's Halloween coming up, do you have any favorite horror movies? <laughs> Ooh, uh, one of my favorites and I'm Neil I'll probably have more uh, one of my favorites has always been uh, it's always been American Werewolf in London 
because oh, I love that movie because of the genre because it mixes the genres so beautifully, right? That it starts off as a knucklehead indie buddy movie, and then goes full horror and can go back and forth between those two uh, so successfully that that uh, clearly um, I'm gonna forget her name, the woman who did. Uh, uh, cocaine bear, which I just recently saw, but clearly seemed to be inspired by that, getting that mix. I love films that succeed at mixing yeah. genres. Neil, your favorite? Well, I have two. One of them I didn't even see in its entirety, but the thought of it never left my mind. Wow. Was the title of it called Wolfen? Oh, probably. <clears throat> I've Wolfen. actually never seen that one. But okay, I'm again, it was a lower budget film, as so many of these are. I think, I don't remember where it took place. But, 1981, yes. Yeah, so Wolfen, it was about a species of intelligent wolves mm. that ate homeless people oh God. <laughs> wow. for their survival, but only if you were homeless. So no one would actually miss them. That was the state of the world at the time and maybe even today. So, yeah. and then the city council wanted to get rid of them because this is their menace and one of the wolves like went into the city council and just there was it was a very it was surreal because it was like you didn't know what the wolves would do next but at the end you kind of sided with the wolves they're just trying to live like anybody else is trying to live so i don't know that it's a horror movie genre but just the idea that these were highly intelligent I don't mean intelligent in the way we speak of other species that are not human. They were more intelligent than humans. Okay. And so it was, how did we interact with this species? That's right. But my number one uh -oh. scariest movie, which neither of you could possibly agree with was get out. Oh, but the reason why you can't agree with it. It's an excellent film. Because all I can say is, everything portrayed in that film happened to me okay <laughs> okay yeah i've had white people come up to me touch my muscles and say gee i wish i had muscles just like your muscles yeah, what yeah. gee i wish i could do that just oh, like so you. ripped yeah you're so jacked okay and yeah. so gee i wish and these are scenes played out yeah within that film um oh i see you could run fast i always wanted to run fast and then all of these black people are brought in and their bodies are swapped out with their brains. And to me, that was completely horrifying. No, I it was horrifying. You're, you're pointing out the, the, the subtext of why it's so horrifying. Yeah, it's yes. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. Precisely. Well, you're, you're, that, there's overlap in what, how we, what we like is, it, is that he mixed, brilliantly mixed genres and mixed subtext and mixed mm -hmm. social commentary with horror. And right, right, right. Social commentary. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, the, Wolfen had tons of social commentary. Okay. Yeah. I have to watch that now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Your, I, I'm gonna have to watch it again Wade. too. What's your yeah. what's your what is your one of your favorites, Wade? Oh, I've always liked Nightmare on Elm Street three. Okay. Three. three. That's okay. Probably one of my favorites. All three. Right. All right. Yeah. Go back. I'll go back. Um, well, thank you for taking the time, my friend. Oh yeah. How'd you, how'd you like the movie? Oh, which movie? The Shaw oh, uh, Shaw on the Arm. Well, of, of course I liked it. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'll watch it again. You know, it's scary in its own way. Um, yeah. well, well, thank you. Thank you for the time. We'll yeah, see you again. Well, have a good day. Thanks. You too.